Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I'm honored to bring the word to you tonight. It's not a word that I can take credit for. I believe that God wants to speak something here tonight. And I believe that there's people in the room that need to hear what needs to be said. And I don't say that because it's something that I've prepared, but I believe as I was preparing this this morning and weeping over it, that I really believe that there's people in the room that he wants to speak to. So I would pray that we'd open our hearts. Open our hearts to receive a word, not because of anything that's going to happen so spectacular on this stage, but because the Holy Spirit is here, and he wants to speak to us. Amen? Amen. I love to worship, right? But it's kind of my thing, so. Um, I've been worship leading for almost 18 years. I was thinking about that when I shot a video, and I was like, oh, I feel so old. No. But it's the best, and um, it's just my passion. I love to see people connected in worship and God connecting with people through worship. So so that's my role here at New Beginnings. I'm the worship pastor over all of our worship department, and I'm just really excited to bring this word tonight. So let's jump in. Um, just a little bit about myself to set up this message. I am not a handy person. I know, right? Surprising. I am no good when it comes to fixing things, repairing things, building things. I'm pretty terrible at it. And the joke in our house with me and my wife for years has been if something needs to be fixed, then I have to call a brother. Because I'm just, I know, it's terrible. But I'm used to it. It's fine. (laughs) I can handle it. But I know it's not a strength of mine. So when we moved, when our family moved to Sydney just over two years ago, Um, we had to completely set up house from scratch. We moved to a country we've never been to. Um, We have three boys. So we had a two-bedroom unit. And immediately, because this is what you do, you go to Ikea. It's pretty affordable. I like the style. And, you know, it's just good for space when you have tight spaces, right? So I go to Ikea. We have all three boys that are going to be in one bedroom. And so I go to Ikea and I find this fantastic bunk bed system. That's the normal bunk beds with the top and bottom, but then the miraculous little trundle comes out on the bottom. And I was like, what the heck? This is amazing because it's little room for three and we just kind of... So we get this bunk bed system and I bring it home with a couple boxes, of course, because if you've been to Ikea, you know it's going to come in about three boxes. And so I'm opening the boxes and... I'm laying out all these pieces, and I see the picture of what it's supposed to look like, and I'm looking at the pieces and the hardware and all these things, and I'm looking at the picture, and I'm like, what? (laughs) How? How are we going to do this? Because the pieces that were laid out in front of me looked nothing like the picture on the, what it was supposed to look like, and I get so frustrated at that, and there's so many different pieces of hardware, and I'm sweating thinking about it. Okay. But here's my thought, like the pieces did not look like the picture in its raw state. So here's another illustration for you. Maybe you can relate a little bit more to a puzzle. How many people do puzzles in here? Okay, not many. I don't know why I randomly bought a puzzle a week ago. Like I've never done a puzzle in my entire life. But my brother, I saw one at his house. I'm like, oh, that might be like therapeutic. That could be relaxing. So here I buy this puzzle. Here's my puzzle. So 
I buy this puzzle, it's 500 pieces. I've never done a puzzle in my life, and here I have all these pieces. So again, having a moment where I lay all these pieces out, spend 10 minutes with my kids, turning them all over, that was the worst part of it. But looking at all these pieces on the table, again, have a moment of this is not matching <laughs> this, right? So I'm staring at all these pieces, and I'm like, why, like, how? How am I going to do this? So it took me a week. I actually finished it. I finished it two days ago, and then I ripped it all up to put it in this box for tonight. My son's like, what are you doing? I'm like, that's just the thing with puzzles. You can't just, like, let them sit there forever. So, um, but anyway, so I'm telling you these silly stories for this reason. Isn't life kind of like that sometimes? You have pieces scattered Whatever might be in your hand, your life could be in pieces. And it just doesn't look like the picture that maybe you're looking at for your life, right? I know that this is very telling for my life. There's times in our lives where God has shown us something. God's given us a vision of the future. God has given us a goal or something to accomplish. And that thing that we are looking at when we look back down at the table with full of the pieces that is our life, it's not matching. And you don't know how we're going to get from scattered pieces to a finished work. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Sometimes the pieces don't look like the picture. And tonight's message is called The God of How. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. But I want to take a look for the next few moments at a really familiar story in the Bible and a familiar character in the Bible that we're all going to know, and I'll give us a quick synopsis of his life. But we're going to look at his life really quickly, and I really believe that we're going to take some truths from his life that we can apply to ours, and we're going to look at how we can go from all of this mess of pieces and not knowing how this is going to come to fruition of the goal or the dream or the desire or the, the picture that we see for ourselves. And so I hope um, you just join in with me and let's just take a look really quick. So this scripture is um, found in Genesis, Genesis chapter 39 through 46, a couple chapters. I encourage you, if you have time, to go through and read it. I'm not going to go in complete detail, but um, I'm just going to take us through a little bit of what Joseph's life looked like, all right? So Joseph in Genesis, we see Joseph was a young man who, um, he had many brothers. He was the favorite of his father. And he has a dream. He actually has two dreams. And so what he does with, with these dreams that he has, these visions, he shares them with his family. And being the favorite brother and the context of these dreams didn't go well. Because the context of these dreams pretty much showed him that in the future he's going to be in a place of prominence and his family would be bowing to him. Now, okay, let's be clear. If you have a dream like this, maybe don't share it just yet. No, you probably won't. But He made the mistake of sharing it with his family because it immediately created some jealousy, some hatred with his brothers. And what ends up happening is his brothers grew in hatred and they actually plot against him and he comes out to the field one day and they actually throw him in a pit. They take his cloak that his father gave him. They think about actually killing him, but one of the brothers stopped the others and they actually end up sitting under a tree having lunch and the brother's in a pit. What a life. So a caravan comes by and his brothers end up selling him into slavery. Pretty terrible. Years go by, he ends up in Egypt. 
Now in Egypt, the thing that you'll read as you read through the story of Joseph, Joseph is a common theme, a common phrase, and it's a great phrase, and the Lord was with Joseph. And throughout his life, being in a pit, being sold into slavery, he goes to Egypt, he's um, favored by the Lord, he ends up working in the Pharaoh's um, palace, um, through some other events, I'm sure you know, he was wrongly accused of sleeping with the queen, gets thrown into prison. So here's Joseph's life, guys, right? It's just ups and downs. But the common theme that you read is, but the Lord was with Joseph. So through all of that, we see Joseph kind of, his life's doing this, but we kind of see Joseph doing this. And so one of the things that we want to look at is through all of that, being in prison, through the ups and downs, don't you, like this is how I think, don't you think there was a point in time where he questioned how, right? So just like I scatter the pieces of a puzzle or we look at what our lives are like around it, maybe in pieces, and you think, how? I'm sure he had those moments in a prison um, and I just think it's interesting, well, we're going to jump, let's, let's get to that. I don't want to jump ahead. Let's look at a couple things. Um, I want to look at four things that we can take from Joseph's life and his ups and downs and how he navigated that, that I really think are going to help us. So if the first thing is consistency. Consistency. Keep building. That's the first thing that I want us to take from Joseph's life. Even though the pieces you have look like they don't match the picture, keep building. Keep showing up. Stay diligent with what God has placed in your hand to do. See, our job is not to produce the results. And I think that's where we get caught up. Our job isn't to produce the results. Our job is to keep being faithful and consistent with what God has placed in our hands and given to us. And then we trust him to breathe upon it and to bless it. Amen? But we can't get caught up in the producing. It's, my, it's not our job to produce. It's our job to be consistent and be diligent with what God has placed in our hand, and he will add to that and bless it. Joseph was consistent in every season of his life through the ups and downs. So the second thing that I believe is really important is perspective. I read this amazing quote from, I believe it was from um, one of my Bible app plans, and I want to read it to you because I think it's amazing. It kind of changed my complete perspective. So about perspective, it says, discouragement and fear come primarily because we can't see God in our past or our future. Think about that for a minute. When you think about moments when you're fearful or discouraged, are we remembering that God was in our past and do we realize that he's still in our future? Discouragement and fear come primarily because we can't see God in our past or future. Sometimes when we're doing our thing and involved in life and consumed with all the pieces that are our life and seeing how they don't all make sense. We can lose sight of the fact that God is present. But not only is he present now, he was present in the past. 
and he still waits in our future. This idea alone should cause us to let go of fear and discouragement. One of the things that I've had to do um, a couple months ago when I was talking with some friends out in Australia, we would sit and we would talk on some of the mornings before college, and I brought this idea to them that I read, and we were just all kind of unpacking it and talking about it, is I realized that one of the things that I have to do is when I realize that I'm being discouraged or worrying or fearful, I actually have to stop myself and remember this and say, hold on, am I forgetting that God was in the past? My, what am I forgetting that God has done for me that is done for you, that is causing me right now to be discouraged? And what am I not realizing about my future that God is in my future, right? Because the presence of God ahead of us, not, see, we don't see what's ahead of us, right? But the idea that God is there should release us from discouragement and fear. So one of the things that I've had to do practically, and it might sound really strange to you, but I am not a normally an optimistic person. So what I've had to do is I've actually gone in my phone, in my calendar, my um, iCalendar, and I've actually put in two appointments a week. They're separated by a couple days. And I get an alert every time that this date pops up, and it reoccurs every week. So two times a week, I have a thing that will pop up on my screen and says, what are you thankful for today? The other time in the week, it'll pop up, what has God done for you? I need, personally, to keep in front of me the idea that, number one, I'm not alone. Number, number two, there's so much to be thankful for. Number three, God has done so much for me that I don't ever want to lose sight of. Amen? So we must be people that can see God in our past, present, and future, that he's here with us. When you look through the life of Joseph in Genesis 39, you see the phrases like I talked about. Um, in verse 20 to 21, it says, but the Lord was with him. Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with him and gave him great success. In verse 5, it says, So the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. Over and over we see this theme, the Lord was with him. And he waits in our future as well. Amen? The third thing that I want to pull out of the life of Joseph that I believe will help us is courage to continue. It takes courage to continue when the pieces don't match the picture. Because it gets discouraging when you're in the middle. When I laid all those pieces out, flipped them all over, and you see, like, how do some of these pieces even make sense in that picture? They don't even look like they would go in it. But when you begin to put it through, when you take time, it all comes together. But it takes courage to continue through that. It takes courage to continue what you're building takes longer than what you expected. And sometimes when you don't see the sight, the end in sight. It took courage for Joseph to continue to use his gift when he sat in prison. I thought about this today. He was in prison. He was gifted to interpret dreams. If you go read his story, that's what he did. And here he is in prison, a really low moment. It took courage, I believe, for him to continue to use that gift because what actually gets him out of prison is him using his gift to interpret Pharaoh's dream. So you would think in a moment of despair, here we are, here's our life, my brother sold me into slavery, all of these things, I'm in prison. I wonder how hard it could have been to just be like, I'm done. I quit. He actually had courage to continue to use that gift, and I think that's remarkable. In Joshua, there's a 
fantastic scripture where God is speaking to Joshua, another character in the Bible, where Joshua is about to take over from Moses, who led the children of Israel out of um, Egypt. And he's about to take over. And God says these statements. And there's a longer portion, but he says, be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. We are going to have to live courageous lives, continuing to show up. Courage to continue to believe the best. Courage to continue to believe that God has a plan. Amen? The fourth thing that we want to talk about tonight that we can pull from Joseph's life is his faith to follow. Faith to follow. You have to have faith to follow the plan. Faith to believe that what you have been asked to do is building something bigger than yourself. Just like following those Ikea directions for me, they might feel tedious and at some point we lose sight of the guide and try to figure it out ourselves. Um, it's just not going to work. I actually did that a couple months ago when I um, was doing my office when, um, about a month and a half ago when I got put back on to staff here when moving home. And I was putting, <laughs> I got another Ikea shelf. I should just learn, right? <laughs> it's just affordable and they're nice looking. Yeah, thrift store, true. I'll just wait till it comes there. But, so again, a box. This really nice looking shelf, but why so many pieces? So I'm laying out the shelf again, and I am not great with following directions. So at some point, I looked at the picture. I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it. And then I just start going at it, but I'm not going step by step. I know. And so I'm thinking I'm really doing really well until I get to the very end, and I'm trying to put the shelves on. And I'm like, what is wrong with this thing? Something's so wrong, but it looks so right. So I'm going back. So needless to say, because I wasn't following the plan, because I wasn't um, going with the plan in the book, I ended up having, and I'm not joking, taking it apart three times. <laughs> That's so bad for me. It looks terrible. It's true, three times, because I couldn't figure out where I went wrong, so I had to keep going back, take it apart. I did it wrong, because I wasn't going back to the guide. God has a plan, Right? God has a plan, and sometimes when we think we see the picture of what is going to be for our lives, if we stray away from the plan, his word, his instruction, we think we can make that happen because we know what it looks like. But we may frustrate ourselves, right? Because the thing that's really interesting slash frustrating, but it's God's will, is on this path of following him, he has a purpose for that route, right? Even though it may not be the shortest route and the easiest way to get there, there's a reason he has you going that way. And there's a reason to follow those, that plan. So believe that what you have in your hand is enough to keep building, to keep building your life, to keep building the lives of your family. Believe that what God has given you is enough to start and keep going. Joseph had faith that God had a plan. He was consistent. He had perspective, courage to continue, and faith to follow each step, which allowed God to work on his behalf and write the narrative that we're reading today to gain inspiration and faith from. I think that's awesome. So where do you find yourself tonight? Are you holding a bunch of pieces that don't make sense? Do these pieces that are your life not resemble what you believe your life is supposed to look like? And what are you going to do about it? Are you going to throw in the towel? 
Tonight I'm praying that we won't. I'm praying that we won't. When God places a vision in our sights, he's not expecting you and I to be able to explain or work out how it will all work. That's a tough truth to come to. That's his job. Because he's the God of the how. As people, how is where we get tripped up. And you know, it's not just us. As I begin to look through the Bible, you see Abraham in Genesis. We see God making a covenant with him in chapter 15, verse 4. And it says, Behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, talking about Ishmael, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars, if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord, and he credited to him as righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? The Bible's filled of people asking how. You can see with Moses in the burning bush, God speaks to him and gives him a plan. He says, you're going to go and save the Israelites. And he says, how can I do this? I can't even speak. You see Gideon in the Old Testament hiding in a wine press. And the angel of the Lord comes to him and he says, you will save Israel. And Gideon responds, how, Lord, will I save Israel? And God says, I will be with you. Jeremiah is called by God to be his spokesperson. And in Jeremiah um, chapter 1 and verse 5, we read, before, this is him speaking to Jeremiah, before I formed you, In the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you, and I ordained you as a prophet to the nations. Then then said I, O Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. You can look at the um, beginning of the New Testament where Mary is appeared by the angel and she's being told she's going to carry the Son of God and she said, how will this be? And he responds, nothing is impossible with God. You see, God, the how is God's specialty. How, the how is God's specialty. In Hebrews chapter 10, Verse 23 is a great scripture that I'm sure we've all heard. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23. In the NIV version, it says this. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Another version says it this way, amplified. So let's do it, full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. And so one last time, because I like different translations. So here's the passion. So now wrap your heart tightly around the hope that lives within us, knowing that God always keeps his promises. Our God is the God of how. 
Even in the toughest times, it's important to remember to be consistent, keep building, keep showing up, have the right perspective. God is present in your past and your future. Have courage to continue because God is good. And finally, hold on to faith to follow whatever the Lord gives to you. So tonight, are you looking at pieces that don't seem to match up? I think there's probably parts of our lives that we could all attest to that and identify with. I know that there's um, people here tonight that not only are you looking at pieces that don't match up, but some of those pieces are broken. And I want to read something to you that is going to encourage you. I love this book. It's called Visioneering. And Andy Stanley says this. How is not a problem for God? If God has a problem, it's us. We're prone to allow the question of how to either overwhelm us or to catapult us into a self-propelled frenzy of activity. If you feel overwhelmed, remember you are invited to tap into the inexhaustible resources of God. He is not expecting you to come up with everything that is needed to accomplish the vision that was birthed in you. He continues, our responsibility is to do what we know to do and wait for him to fill in the blanks. He knows how to reach your husband, wife, boss, or neighbor. He knows how to protect your children even though their daddy's gone. He knows how to get a prayer group started where you work. He knows how to get your business venture venture off the ground. He knows how you can't pay for school. He knows how to get over that hurt. He knows how to put your marriage back together. He knows how to get that ministry started. How is God's specialty? So tonight, as I was preparing this message... I would love us all to stand for a minute as we're getting ready to finish. As I was preparing this message, I was asking God, God, what do you want to say? And I felt like God really pressed upon my heart that we all have pieces that we're looking at that don't make sense to the picture. We can all identify with that. But I know for a fact, because God impressed upon my heart, that there's people that I don't only have pieces that don't make sense, but there's broken pieces. And as I was asking God, what do you want me to say? I believe he gave me this word and I'm going to speak it. And I believe if that's you, that you believe that you have broken pieces, that it's not even just that they don't look right together, that it doesn't make sense together, but there's brokenness. This is the word that I believe God spoke to me for you. I am here. I am with you. I see the pieces. I see the brokenness. I see the hopelessness. Can you trust me? Can you lift your eyes to see me? Can you believe that I'm working on your behalf? Can you believe that I wait in your future? Can you dare to keep building, to keep taking steps forward? Can you dare to have courage in uncertainty? Can you believe that I am good? 
Can you believe that I am working on your behalf? I am with you. I will never leave you. Thank you, Jesus. And tonight I believe that we come to a place of surrender. Because I believe we have to surrender the how of trying to figure it all out. I believe we have to surrender once again to him. And before we get to that, I know there's specific people that that word was for tonight, and I know some of you know who it is. And I believe that God is ministering to you through his words. I believe that you're here on purpose. I believe that you didn't just show up tonight, that the Holy Spirit is here and wants to minister his grace to you, his comfort and his peace, and show you that you can have courage to keep moving forward, that you can have faith to keep taking those steps forward. And he's with you. So tonight, I believe we come to surrender. A place of surrender. We're going to surrender our how. Surrender our trying to figure it all out. Surrender our reasoning. And once again, say, God, I trust you. You're the God of the how. God, I trust you. So we're going to sing this song together. And let's declare this with our hearts. If that's you tonight and this word hits your heart, I want to encourage you to take these next few moments. Lift your hands. Just let it be you and him tonight. Don't worry about who's around you. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks. But just begin to have a moment with God so he can speak to you, so he can minister things that are only for you. So I just want to encourage you as we begin to sing this song and declare that we trust in him, that we lift our hands to heaven, and that he would speak to us and change our lives. Amen? Come on, let's sing. Thanks for listening to this message. We pray that you're blessed and lifted up by God's word. If this message helped you today, please consider supporting New Beginnings financially. You can just go to newbeginningsnj.org and click the giving tab. We hope to see you soon.